Big Podcast. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. Bigpodcast.com is the website. And this is the podcast where we talk about growing your audience, getting more people to listen to your show, making people care about your show, spreading your message, making money with your show. On this episode, some great topics, how to never miss your release date, are short videos better than long podcast episodes, the trade-up, how I survived on one cent for 30 days, there's a good lesson for you about how to put together a story for your podcast, are female podcasters more supportive of each other than male podcasters? I'm going to answer that question. I've got a podcast editing trick from Netflix because Stranger Things is being edited retroactively. Also, time-shifted interviews, if you're doing that, I've got something that will help you. And some guests, allegedly, are paying up to $50,000 to appear on popular podcasts. I've got thoughts on these things and more coming up. This episode is the audio edition of my weekly newsletter. That is called Big Podcast Insider. Everything that I talk about is at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. And on this episode, we go old school. When you hear this sound, you know it's time to turn the page. Before I get started, I want to talk about Riverside.fm. It's the leading platform to record studio quality, remote podcast and video. It's used by over 70,000 people. People like Guy Raz, Gary V, companies like Spotify and the New York Times use it. It records locally on each participant's computer and uploads to the cloud. Let me tell you how this used to work. I was doing a thing for NPR once. They sent a reporter to my house with a microphone. And as I was on the phone with the NPR journalist, she had a microphone held up to my mouth. That is how we used to do it. She recorded it locally, then she went home and back to her office, uploaded it to New York NPR. These days, you don't have to do it because we've got Riverside to do that for you. You can have an NPR quality interview, as long as you've got the good mics, as long as you've got the skill to host it, if you use something like Riverside. Right now, you can try it free at riverside.fm if you decide to stick around, and you're going to want to. If you're doing interviews, this is a great way to do them. Big Podcast is the code, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. That gets you 15% off. You're going to love Riverside. You simply send the person that you want to interview a link. They click on it just like a website and either through their web browser or through their phone. They've got an iOS app. You're going to be able to get a great quality interview. So go to riverside.fm. Again, the code for 15% off now or forever, B-I-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Big Podcast is the code. You'll get 15% off your Riverside subscription, but you don't need to commit just yet. Take that free trial first, riverside.fm. How to never miss your release date. <laughs> this is funny because I share a printer with my wife and went down to get my notes. Again, this is from the newsletter, Big Podcast Insider. And she wrote on this, start before the deadline, David. That's her advice. You can take that advice. Let me give you some advice from the most successful podcasts and podcasters that have never missed a release date. There are two options for you to make this happen, or three, if you want to start before the deadline. One is you've got a backup guest or already recorded backup episode that you can use in the event of a guest-related problem or other problem. Second thing you can do is have the ability to do a solo episode, something without a guest, and record something yourself. You've got an episode that you want to get out this week. You're doing your interview today guest doesn't show up, what then? Do it on your own. That's the best way to do it. That gives you the most flexibility. Something that you'll find helpful in keeping you out of trouble 
is to have a backup of anything and everything that you record. This podcast, I record straight into the computer. I also have a backup running, and I use the Zoom F6 for this. It's a field recorder. If you want to see the setup, exactly how I do this, I have a video linked at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. I mentioned Riverside earlier. This is one of the reasons the Riverside is a great option for you. Riverside continuously uploads files to the cloud during recording. That means that should your computer die, should your internet go out, up to that very moment, Riverside has something in the cloud. I think that's great. I think you want to do that. I think you want to have something locally on your computer, but also to have that external recorder. Again, for me, the Zoom F6, that is the best option. You do not want to miss a great moment being recorded. You can go back and tape it again. Maybe that's assuming your guest has the availability, but you're never going to get that moment back. So consider this setup. I've also got some information about cloud backups where you can back up your files after you've got them. That video, the recommendations, everything linked at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Are short videos better than long podcast episodes? Well, I just mentioned the video. So if you want to see it, (laughs) you can judge for yourself. Go to newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Check out that video and let me know. But let's dive into this a little more. The answer to this question are short videos better than long podcast episodes? It is, it depends. I've talked about the importance of getting to the point on your podcast. I talked about that in the previous issue of Big Podcast Insider. People want what they want now. Can you deliver that in a short video? Can you deliver that in a tweet? A lot of times you can. With that said, I believe in the power of audio. And a short video is not a replacement for your podcast. I think it can be a sidecar. I talked about that concept in the last couple of episodes. If you haven't listened to that, go back, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. We'll make sure that you get those. Just to explain it really quickly right now, the sidecar is when you have something that has momentum and you attach something else onto that. So if you've got a quick video, that is a nice attachment onto your longer form podcast. That longer form podcast is what gets people connected to you. The video, maybe it is delivering the message better, but we're looking to get you connected with your audience. We're looking to get them to trust you, to know you, to be ready to work with you, to spread your message, to keep listening to you. For that, a podcast is much more effective. More thoughts and a link to that video I mentioned earlier, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. The trade-up or how I survived on one cent for 30 days. This is a concept, I call it a 30-day challenge. Basically, it's where you do something for 30 days and you take people along on the journey with you. I've got one of these things coming up. I'm gonna talk about it in the upcoming issue of Big Podcast Insider. If you haven't already subscribed, it's newsletter.bigpodcast.com, but let's look at what this guy is doing. The concept is this, that people love to follow you on a journey So what this guy did, he started with one cent, he traded it for something, then he traded that thing for something. Eventually he got a dollar, bought a bottle of water, sold the bottle of water for $2, then he can get two bottles of water. Maybe he sells those for $4, you see the concept. And he did this for 30 days, starting in Los Angeles, Venice Beach, eventually moving elsewhere, using only the things that he had traded up from that penny. 
And you can say, well, not really, because this guy's got a camera, he's got people there, he's not dying. And you can say, well, he didn't invent that. There's another story, a guy who traded a paperclip for a house in 2005. Regardless, it's still pretty compelling. And this is the point. Actually, there are two points. I mentioned one, you're wanting to take people on the journey with you. The second is you don't have to be innovative, just a variation of a good idea. And good ideas are everywhere. If you see something that's working for somebody else, a podcaster, a YouTuber, a blogger, can you transpose that to something that would work for you? And most importantly, work for your audience. I love this concept of the 30-day challenge. You've seen me do a few of these. 30-day podcast interviewing school, 28-day podcast jumpstart. I have these standalone podcasts that take you from point A to point B. That's a big thing if you're teaching somebody to have something transitional. It takes the person who's listening or reading from point A to point B. Or it could be you, your journey, taking you from point A to point B. I talked about this in my big podcast book, the first one, the black and white book, bigpodcast.com slash book, if you're not familiar with that. Stu went around the world, around the world, circumnavigated the globe, did it in about, I don't know, 90 days. And he's on trains, Trans-Siberian Express. He's on container ships, cargo ships, trying to get from one place to the other, all the time podcasting. He had a live radio show to go along with it. He'd record things and upload them from internet cafes. He took you along on the journey. Is he going to make it? I don't know. He didn't know. And that's one of the really exciting things that you can do. That's what these guys did with this video, how I survived on one cent for 30 days. If you watch how they did it, I think you'll get a lot of ideas for your podcast. You can see the video, get more thoughts from me on this concept at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Are female podcasters more supportive than male podcasters? <laughs> There's a little humor about a serious issue. If you want to see the joke, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. It is a serious question. Are female podcasters more supportive of each other than male podcasters? I work with a lot of female podcasters. And one of the discussions we've had is the various Facebook groups and other online communities, specifically for female podcasters, and how those differ from the group's that are predominantly male. If you go in a predominantly male group and you say, hey, I just bought a Blue Yeti. I'm excited to start podcasting. Immediately, you're going to have somebody come in and say, Blue Yeti sucks. You dumb Blue Yeti sucks. What were you thinking? That is the absolute worst mic that you could possibly get. You should have gotten this mic. Let's say the ATR 2100. And then some guy will come in. No, I've been in radio for 20 years and you need the RE20. You can't get this kind of sound with a $100 mic. You've got to spend at least $500. And then somebody will come in and say, no, RE20 sucks. The Shure SM7B, you get the point. Everybody's got an opinion in podcasting. And when you go in a typical podcasting group, you're going to get a lot of this. People are going to complain that you're editing or delivering your podcast in stereo when it should have been mono. You don't need to do this bit rate. You need to do that bit rate. Apparently, the female podcasting groups are different. They're a lot more touchy-feely. They deal with emotion. They say, oh, it's okay. You're going to get there. Hang in there. I know that guest stood you up. You can do a solo podcast. You've got this. Anyway, there's a funny joke about it. Newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Is it accurate? 
let me know. Check it out at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Stranger Things is being edited retroactively by Netflix. This is an interesting editing trick. Stranger Things creators, the Duffer Brothers, have openly discussed making tweaks to old episodes on Netflix. But where do we draw the line in the retconning of art? Now, retconning, I didn't know what that word meant. It's basically revising something that's already done. In general, I don't have a problem with this. I think art is always, or can always be, evolving. An example of this, my latest book, 101 Podcast Episode Templates. You've already gotten it, right? What? It's linked, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Anyway, 101 Podcast Episode Templates. I list out the templates there. And one of the things that I've got at the very beginning of the book is a way for you to contact me. If you're using the templates, I want to use you as an example. So when those come in, I can add them. It's a Kindle book. It's a print-on-demand book. It's super easy for new editions to come out every day if I want them to. That's not that difficult these days when it comes to getting a book out. Blog, definitely. You can see how that's easy. Netflix, because it's streaming, it's very easy to make changes there. A couple of the most recent examples happened in music. Both Lizzo and Beyonce used a word that people considered ableist. And in fairness, when I grew up, this word, we didn't think much of it. We thought it was just somebody who was uncoordinated. We had characters in movies that were called that. It was a pretty common word. Not really nice, but also not really mean. Kind of like nerd, something like that. It had a bit of an edge, but not like something like, you're a son of a bitch, stupid mother asshole. <laughs> Got to keep you on your toes. Anyway, I believe in tweaking things that no longer work. Something like those words, for example did work at one time and we just didn't know any better. Don't double down and die on a hill like that. Something that used to work isn't necessarily going to work now. When I started in radio, I recorded the magnetic tape. When I made a mistake, I would get a razor blade and a marker. I called it a China marker. Actually, I don't even know if we could even say that. I don't know if it has to do with China, these things coming from China. Anyway, that might be a word that we can't use either. This is the Big Podcast Supercomputer with an important announcement. Where does the China marker get its name? This name doesn't mean these markers originate in the country of China. A China marker, also known as a grease pencil, got its name because it is commonly used to mark shiny, smooth, and non-porous surfaces like china or porcelain. A grease marker. You'd mark up the tape. You get a blade out, you will cut out the mistake that you made. Then what you do is get some sticky tape and put those two pieces of magnetic tape together. That doesn't work as well as digital editing. Yeah, you've got some guys, oh man, you just don't understand the sound of old analog. It's got a warm tone, it's great. A well-known music engineer once told me this. He said the people that long for analog recording have never actually done analog recording, where they've got revisionism. Sometimes you'll see guys like me, middle-aged white dudes that have been in recording or podcasting for a while, and they talk about, back in the day, we had to make our own RSS feeds. <laughs> you kids just go to Anchor and just start a podcast in five minutes. Like it's some kind of badge of honor. Yeah, we get it. You had to work a little bit harder to get a podcast out. I know, I was one of those people. But it doesn't mean that what is happening today isn't better. Our filter is good. Yeah, filters are good. How badly do you want it? Yeah, that can be good when it comes to you doing the work 
that when you finally get the opportunity to get something out to the public, you're ready for that opportunity. But it's a different thing now. We are working in a different world. And a lot of times what we put out into the world, it doesn't have that polish that it might have 20 years ago. But that said, it's a lot easier to fix things. We learn by throwing something out there, seeing if it works. There's no reason to think that it has to be permanent. Art is a living, breathing thing. If your podcast, for example, goes out and you think, ooh, that should have been edited, go back and edit it. I've got what I call after hours edits. I've done stuff that was released, went out on broadcast. It's, oh man, I don't really like that edit. Broadcast, as you probably know, if I've got a 30 minute block, there might be three minutes of commercial. So I've got 27 minutes to the second that I've got to get this thing down to. I don't have that in podcasting. So maybe I can chop something up that didn't really belong, but I needed it for 30 seconds just to kill the time. Or maybe I can chop something out that didn't really belong, or maybe I can add something more to it. Put something that clarifies the message a little bit better because I do have that time. Bottom line is this, I believe in tweaking things that no longer work. And sometimes, as I mentioned, something that did work doesn't work now. It's super easy to fix. That Lizzo track, by the time that story broke, she had already changed it because most music is streamed these days. When you went to Spotify, when you went to YouTube, wherever you're listening to streaming music, it was already changed by the time you found out it was a problem. And it's not just words. Sometimes it's topics. Steven Spielberg had a famous example of this. E.T., extraterrestrial. Remember that? Elliot, the kid in E.T., when Elliot discovers E.T., the government finds out about it. Federal agents bust in with guns. Steven Spielberg said, hmm, I don't like that. We've learned a lot about guns that we didn't know back in the 80s. He takes the guns out, replaces them with walkie-talkies on the DVD version. So many people complained that by the time the Blu-ray version came out, he put the guns back in. You know, you can change your mind. People change, plans change, positions change. So consider that when it comes to editing something that you want to, adding something, taking it away, just changing something up. Let me know your thoughts. More thoughts on this, more links to things that have been changed at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. The time-shifted interview. Are you doing this? If so, this is going to help. Speaking of something that I edited after the fact, a year ago, I participated in KCRW's radio race. This is a contest with a goal of producing an entire radio story in just 24 hours. At newsletter.bigpodcast.com, I've got a link to where I talk about my experience. Radio Race is coming up again as a podcast host, a producer. It's a really fun experience. It's like a 24-hour film festival. Anyway, it's coming up. I talk about that experience. It's linked at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Here was the issue that Radio Race had. It's got people from around the world. It starts New York time, maybe, I don't know, noon on a Saturday. I got a buddy of mine. I actually met him through Radio Race, Srikant Joshi. Srikant's in India. It's PM for him. He's about to go to bed. He's got 24 hours, but he needs to start working on those interviews right now. Because when he gets up the next morning, the people he wants to interview who are in the United States, they are in bed. So here's what he did. He did what we call a time-shifted interview. He gave questions to his guests and he showed them how to record answers to those questions. I mentioned this earlier, riverside.fm. If you give somebody a Riverside link, one of the great things that they can do, they can hold the phone up to their mouth and it sounds great. You can get pretty good audio if somebody doesn't have a mic. The issue with that is you've got to be there on the line to get that interview. And if you're like Shrikant, he had a time zone problem. 
What Srikant needed was an easy way for his guests to record themselves with some level of quality. So by the time he woke up in the morning, he had the tape he needed. He could sit there and edit it all day. And by the time the thing was done that night for him, he could be done with this project. Again, this is what we call the time-shifted interview. If he hadn't been able to do this, he would have had a problem because his guests would have been asleep and he would have been up that morning hunting for guests who were maybe up later that night if you wanted to get somebody in the United States or somebody in India. He actually had both. So this guy was running something all 24 hours. He got his Indian people during the Indian part of the day. He got his U.S. people during the U.S. part of the day and he was able to stitch it together. Anyway, there's a tool that can do this for you. It can time shift interviews for you. It is wonderful. It is a great way to do pre-interviews with guests. It's a great way to do audio checks. One of the things I love it, if you're doing any kind of client work or maybe you do this on your own, if you're asking the same question to a bunch of people, you let them handle it on their own time. You do not have to schedule a bunch of different interviews with a bunch of different people. It's 59 bucks. There's a two-month trial on it. You can check it out to see if it works for you. It is linked at newsletter.bigpodcast.com. Guests are paying up to $50,000 to appear on popular podcasts. True story. I had a college teacher. He opened up for the Beatles. This was their first U.S. tour. Seems like a pretty good gig, right? And I asked him how. I said, how did that work? (laughs) He said, our manager gave their manager a briefcase full of money. (laughs) That's how it works sometimes. Back then and even these days. It is definitely the way to get somebody to pay attention to you. And some podcasters are open to this method when it comes to booking guests on their shows. From the article, the top earning show is Entrepreneurs on Fire, a daily program that highlights various businesses. John Lee Dumas, its host and creator, says he mostly receives guest inquiries through his website and currently charges $3,500 for an appearance. Payment serves as a kind of filtering tool. Now, full disclosure, I was on a podcast this week Actually, it was a live broadcast that was released as a podcast with Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting. And somebody came in the chat room. He said, yeah, John Lee Dumas says that because John Lee Dumas owns part of the company that they're pitching in this article. I haven't verified that, and I'm not saying that that's true. This is the big podcast supercomputer with verified information. John Lee Dumas is, indeed, an investor in Guestio. Hello, my friends. John Lee Dumas here, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. I want to talk to you about Guestio today. I'm an investor and advisor and user of Guestio. But it goes to something that I see a lot when this topic comes up. And that's that, oh, I charge $50,000 for a guest appearance or $4,500 or $5,000 or maybe $250. It differs. A lot of people are talking about getting this kind of money from guests. The people that I know well that have tried to do this, when you sit them down and say, come on, level up. Are you really getting people to pay to be on your podcast? And the same is true for, I will come on your podcast for a certain amount of money, a guest appearance fee. Most of them are not. And it certainly does not happen this way in what I call real media, broadcast media, traditional media. Oprah is not paying for guests. The Tonight Show is not paying for guests. This is something that is a huge risk. Either way, if you start taking money for somebody to appear on your podcast, what happens if they don't have a great mic? What happens if they call in from a car or an airport or a noisy place? 
What happens if you don't get a great interview? You still going to put it out? One of the things that John argued is that people took his podcast more seriously when they paid. And I can understand that. I would think that too. People who are invested in something financially often do take things more seriously than somebody who's getting something for free. Think about betting on a football game. You're going to take that game pretty seriously. (laughs) But it doesn't mean you're going to get a good interview. And if your listeners find out that basically all you were doing is delivering infomercials, you're going to lose trust and likability with many of them. So it's something to consider. Look, if I were getting $50,000 a pop to appear on my podcast, I'd probably do it all day long. But in general, doing something like this feels like one of those things where you're chasing the money. And coming from an art background, art and music, comedy, performance, working in the entertainment industry like I do, I take the credibility of art very seriously. As a listener, do you want to listen to somebody who's just chasing the money? Or do you want to listen to somebody who's passionate and really knowledgeable about what it is that they're talking about? You tell me. Feel free to reach out. All the links, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. If you don't have the email version of this newsletter, that is the place to go, newsletter.bigpodcast.com. And for this podcast, the audio versions of the newsletter and more, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. I've got three buttons there for you. iPhone, Android, RSS feed. Pick the ones you want. You will get this podcast delivered every time it is published. It's free. And if it ever stops working for you, you can unsubscribe at any time. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.